0: Right, welcome to another episode of the Crossplay Podcast, the greatest podcast ever between PlayStation Lifestyle and Game Revolution. I am Chandler Wood, Senior Editor for PlayStation Lifestyle. Uh, this week, Cameron Teague, uh, Editor-in-Chief, is out uh, taking care of sick children, so... Uh, It's just the three of us. His own sick
1: children, not just random sick children.
0: (laughs) He's just just out in uh, New Guinea or whatever, (laughs) taking care of
2: Uh, I am Jason Faulkner, Senior Editor, Game
1: Revolution. I'm Paul Tamborow, Executive Editor of Game Revolution.
0: All right, so let's jump right into what are we playing and
1: watching lately? Uh... I have been playing uh, Dead Cells. It's I think I don't know whether the full game has been released yet. Um, got a code for it. It's uh, I think it was out on early access a while ago um, last year, sometime maybe. It's like a side-scrolling, uh, 2D rogue-like uh, game where you're essentially play as uh, as a decapitated um, prisoner who you have to run through a series of dungeons. Um, it's okay. When I play a roguelike game, I always compare it to Rogue Legacy, which is, like, amazing. That's the um, pinnacle of roguelikes.
0: There's there's yeah. none
1: better. Yeah. And it's... it's The combat is good, um, but it, it it hasn't quite hooked me in. Uh, I've also actually been playing Steep, uh, which I missed the first time around. The snowboarding game from uh ubisoft and that is surprisingly very good <laughs> I, I really enjoy it yeah yeah i've got super hooked on it um the open world is a lot of fun um and you just kind of you just kind of presented with it immediately you can just dive in and um the like micro stuff that is littered in it is quite pernicious and i think especially considering it's been out for so long. There's a whole lot of it now. So you load up a menu and then you're immediately greeted to all of the DLC, um, you know, uh, methods of transport, or whatever, like the sled, sledges and stuff or sled surra. Uh, and then, you know, but then you try to access them and then it tells you that you need to buy the DLC. I don't like that kind of thing. But, I mean, I got it on Amazon Prime Day for like £10. So I can't really complain too much. Haven't dived into the Winter uh, Olympics DLC that's that's also included with the, with the game now. But um, yeah, really enjoying it. My favourite thing to do is to uh, just put on a wingsuit. And then as soon as you move forward your character tries to dive and you just immediately fly face plant into the snow. <laughs> uh that's just it's 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 incredible. Just just watching your guy take a big run up and then just land immediately in front of him. Um just in terms of what I've been in terms of what I've been watching, it's um we've been watching Paddington two. <laughs> I watched watch Paddington two the other day. Uh which I is like
0: how you said that. Like, I've been watching it. Like, it's just this thing that's on repeat, just <laughs> yeah. constantly. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. Playing yeah. steep and watching Paddington two every night. I've been watching Paddington two, finding <laughs> out new things about it in the Paddington lore. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm very, very. I, I, I loved Paddington two. My favorite thing about Paddington two it's that it's the most British film I think I've ever watched. Uh, <laughs> And it makes prison look quaint. So I don't know whether you've seen Paddington 2, but uh, spoilers, he ends up in a high security prison. And just I don't know who directed the film, but I feel like it was somebody who has never quite been to Britain before, uh, or London specifically. And then it's just a very idealised image of what, of what London is. Uh, a lot of people who are incredibly friendly with one another. It just makes me want to live in live in that version of Britain that's in Paddington too. But um, it's a really good film, a rip-roaring adventure. I give it a solid 9 out of 10. Uh, but yeah, that's that's been me, basically. Oh, and also today I started watching a few of the old Toho Godzilla films because, holy shit, did anybody see the Godzilla King of the Monsters trailer? I yeah. did not. Oh, wow. Claire de Lune and... Mothra's giant wings flapping around in the in the ocean. Big fan. I still need yeah, to see the uh, the last Godzilla movie. It was okay. They they put Brian Cranston in it, and then he like immediately dies. Sorry, I've spo- I know I spoiled that, but oh my <laughs> that, god, that's uh, it's it's a bit of a weird one. It's all right. It's a lot of looking at. It's like it take, It's very much on the ground floor of of what Godzilla's doing. So it's a lot of. Staring at Godzilla's back while he does things that are probably more interesting than what the film shows. I know people said it was way
2: better than the, uh, the one that came before it.
0: Hey, hey, the Matthew Broderick 2001 Godzilla, there is nothing better.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> I remember the old, uh, cartoon that they used to have of that Matthew Broderick, uh, Godzilla film that was infinitely better than the, um... Than the movie. The movie was very worm-heavy. Wasn't Wasn't Matthew Broderick into worms? Wasn't that a whole big subplot that he just really liked worms? Yeah, it was weird. Mm. <laughs> and so, and
0: it was also like, what, it was a 2001 movie, so that was the era when effects were going from practical to digital, and digital effects just sucked really bad still. Yeah. But everybody yeah. thought they were really good, and just looking back now, you're like, oh, every movie from like basically late 90s to mid 2000s was just awful because yeah. of that.
1: Yeah. I haven't rewatched that old Godzilla, uh, the 2000 Godzilla or whatever it was, um, but I saw an interview with Hank Azaria, who was in it, and he was basically saying how the director... a a way to work around like that the visual effects weren't really up to scratch was that he made the entire thing uh, he shot the entire film in the rain and apparently like all of the cast just got ill because the director was basically like this is going to look a lot better if it's always raining on Godzilla (laughs) so (laughs) the whole thing was just shut in the pouring rain uh, which I remember that film looked absolutely miserable for like a Godzilla film, it was uh, just a lot of him just soaked in rain, knocking around. I remember the promotional campaign though; that was a uh, that was amazing with the holes in the buildings and stuff. But um, the film was shit. But I yeah, remember
0: that- uh, Hank Azaria almost getting stepped on, and you think he gets stepped on, and then Godzilla yeah. lifts his foot away, and he's he was like right between his toes. That's like one of the only things I remember about yeah, it. Yeah,
1: that was that was a good one. And then when they're just moving away, and they're just dealing with a bunch of little godzillas thing is that 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 godzilla was a really good design for godzilla i prefer it to like the uh the chubby godzilla we've got now the little the little fat lad little fat lad godzilla (laughs) um i like my uh my slinky lizard godzilla but um but yeah so just watching old godzilla films they're all right it's fine i uh it seems like something i should be into but i think you know well they're like early 60s the ones i've been watching and it's just a lot of guys wearing suits hitting one another in the mouths. So it's fine.
0: <laughs> it's fine. This is fine.
1: Yeah.
2: I, uh, I've been playing, uh, Octopath Traveler still because it's a long game and, uh, trying to get it done for review. I I have high hopes that maybe tomorrow or the next day it'll be done. I've enjoyed it. Um, but I'm the kind of person that it's like I hit the forty or fifty hour mark in a game, and I'm I start looking looking for the end. Uh, it's just really hard start to keep my that attention. Burnout point. I think it's because I review a lot of games, so it's like if I spend any time on one game, I start feeling like like I should be working on something else. <laughs> I like I start getting uncomfortable and like guilty feeling. Um, which is, you know, I should probably see See a doctor about that, but um,
0: so <laughs> this podcast that. is It's clinically <laughs> licensed. <laughs>
2: uh, been playing Bomb Chicken for review. I finished that, a uh, pretty short game, but pretty fun. Uh, what is Bomb Chicken? It's you're a chicken, um, and really the only thing you can do is kind of waddle around. And you can lay Plamps. bombs for eggs So You have to like use the bombs for everything Like you have to poop out A stack of bombs to Get to a you know A ledge or something um, And like the, the, the twist is uh, The bombs can kill you So it's like you're constantly having to poop Bombs out and also avoid Your own bombs or You die um, And it's just kind of like a it, It's kind of like a little puzzle game you know, you just. Uh, I feel
1: like you've just described Bomberman.
2: It's like Bomberman, if it was a platformer and you were a chicken.
1: <laughs> so. Is that the, is that on the box? Is that the box? <laughs> that's the bo-
2: That's the box. It's right on the front.
0: So uh. so think for a moment about how dark those themes are, because that's like that's like chicken children are now instead exploding and and killing them. Like imagine if human babies were bombs wow that's all the right. sequel
2: i think that's death Stranding Spot. Right. Hey, yeah. <laughs> i mean, I'm
0: just it, it, it's this I this silly quirky little thing that somebody comes up with this idea of like hey it's chickens and they lay bombs instead of <laughs> eggs haha <laughs> 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 it's funny and then you think about like the real implications of that like a chicken that lays bombs
1: for eggs to be honest, you've made me just now consider that eggs are like chickens' children. Like when when you when you're egging when you're a child egging a house or something, you just throw in <laughs> chicken kids. <at> the houses. <laughs> I don't think this is a path we need to go down. I already feel guilty enough about being a meat eater. I don't need to start thinking about eggs as being chicken kids. <laughs> the the law doesn't clarify,
2: but I think the bombs are unfertilized. So there's like. Less of a moral. <laughs>
1: the little, the chicken bomb wiki. <laughs> um, if
0: there's
2: not one, I need you to start one, Jason. Yeah, <laughs> uh, bomb chicken wiki, brought to you by GR and PSLS, and, and it should yeah. just
0: include all bomb chicken stuff, like, <laughs> like the orange chicken from from Panda Express. That's some pretty bomb chicken.
2: Uh, Every, uh, <laughs> everything that could fit in chicken, bomb chicken. and bomb, yeah. Um besides bomb chicken though uh which was a highlight of the week it actually ended up being you know surprisingly good. Um I've been playing Mega Man X Legacy Collection yeah. 1 plus 2 for uh for review. Um it's you, you know Mega Man uh in general for me but especially Mega Man X. It's like I remember having fond memories of X five through X eight. But there I I guess i I was tricking myself because those games aren't that great. Uh <laughs> the Mega Man X Legacy Collection 2, you could probably just Yeah skip that one. Um the first one, however, you know, X one through X four, uh, those are a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun uh playing back through those. in the collection um has the option to pick between the English and Japanese version, like right in the menu. So it's kind of cool because uh, you don't need to, to know what they're saying. Um,
1: I, to forgot over story, to I forgot how story. story heavy, like X five through X eight uh, are. Bloody hell! Yeah, I was sitting there, sitting through what? it, and uh, just there's so much story there. Was that was that at any point necessary? It's just, uh,
0: man. Come on! Don't you all know that the, the story of mega man
2: (laughs) no no (laughs) i I know he was born and there are bad robots and we take those out and then there's dr dr wally or sigma sigma in the x series uh but one thing i was disappointed at uh with x collection one legacy um was that they use the Super Nintendo version of Mega Man X3. Uh, and so you don't get all those cool, cheesy anime cut scenes that were in the uh, PlayStation Saturn versions. Um, so I had, I'm going to have to dock it for that, basically.
1: <laughs> all I could think of while playing like, through the Legacy Collection 2 was how people, like kids these days, kids these days, but they absolutely kids these days would not put up with that amount of cutscenes at the start of a platformer that, that game would be turned off immediately <laughs> if that came out now.
2: Uh, I think the, the worst one though, is definitely X7. Uh, I forgot just how gruelingly bad X7 was where you switch from a, you're like 2d and there's like a lock on system and it's like, then you switch 3d and it's just, God, it's just god awful. I'm I'm surprised the series made it past X7. And oh, what am I watching? What are you uh, watching? Went to the video store and picked up uh oh, the
0: video store again. Oh my god, oh, the video
1: store again?
2: Yeah. I'm committed now. Um I picked up Boo 2, Medea Boo Uh I watched half of that last night. That's pretty good. Um, It's not good, objectively. But... (laughs) I have no idea what it is. It is a comedy by Tyler Perry um, where he plays uh, a large um, African-American lady.
1: Oh, that's right. Um, And he also
2: plays her... uh, Not her son... But her nep- nephew, I think. Um, you have a lot going
0: of, on with your film choices. Kind of doing the whole uh, Eddie Murphy thing.
2: Yeah, it's like a really poor man's nutty professor.
1: Um, which in itself not, was like a <laughs> poor man, Poor man's It was film. a poor
2: man's nutty professor too. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, this one, extremely poor. Um, a drought. Of of quality <laughs> content, really, but I like it. It's it's got that like uh, '90s comedy feel about it. Like I don't know how to describe it. Really, it's kind of got a Christmas vacation feel. You know, just that unique kind of somewhat family friendly, but not really uh, style to like it.
0: Edgy content in it that <laughs> it's a yeah. little questionable if you're watching it with uh, your your church going parents or whatever.
2: <laughs> but it's uh it's a morality film. story in the end, you know, which is kind of something that's disappeared from films. Uh it's not like the hangover where it's just like they are drunk and then they're terrible, and, then then terrible, they're terrible and they're terrible at the end too. Um so I watched part of that, I'll finish that tonight. Um and I watched Happy Death Day, which is like Oh, that looked horror. good. The horror version of Groundhog Day. And it, is, it was really good. I uh, didn't go into it with high expectations, but um, it ended up having, you know, a twist I didn't see coming uh, at the end that kind of, uh, I don't know, it made the movie. I don't know. Uh, no matter how good a movie is, if you see the twist coming, it always detracts from the situation, you know, the, the production. But, oh, definitely. Uh,
0: that's that's why I'm against spoilers in all cases because I think there's something to be said about that initial surprise of a reveal or a moment in a yeah.
2: movie.
1: I just say a game, game or that. anything. And I've literally Good. sat here in this one conversation and spoiled both Paddington Two and Godzilla to so the people. So the crossover, the Venn diagram <laughs> of Paddington Two and Godzilla fans are going to be extremely disappointed by what I've learned today. <laughs> Um other than that though, uh I can't think of
2: anything. Um, went and saw Shania Twain. That was fun. That was a that was actually a really good concert. Um we had good seats and she came really close. She was on like a a swing. It was like a porch swing in the air made out of a guitar case. And uh she came in she was, like a wrecking ball. It was a lot slower. It was like a <laughs> little lethargic wrecking ball. <laughs> she just kind of, you know, hovered over there uh, lazily and s- sang a song. She and got she to be went back.
1: Older now, she can't come in like a wrecking ball anymore. That's for the, that's for the teen Popeye cunts. You can't you know be what, coming though? in like a wrecking ball at Shania's age. She still got it. I mean, at sixty, uh, you know, she She's killed 60. it. Sixty, I think so. Around sixty. Oh my god, they should not be putting that woman on a porch swing. The only porch swing that woman should be on is one in her back garden of her retirement home. <laughs> so you uh, got to wonder
0: then whose idea it was to to do the whole swing thing. Like, is she like, all right, I want a guitar swing and I'm going to sing a song while I'm on it and I'm swinging? Or is it like some producer that's like, listen, Shania, baby, you got to get, get on, on the this, swing. Uh-
2: <laughs> she was high up several times in the concert, so I have a feeling like she that's a thing for her. Maybe she, I don't know. She kept going upstairs and, you know, there was a swing and I don't know. Getting uh, the cardio, going. Yeah. She was dancing like a fool. I mean, <laughs> would not, I, I can't dance like that. And I'm 30. I, I can only hope really to be alive at 60. But <laughs> if I could dance like that at 60, you know, I'd be incredible. So, um, uh, squad goals right (laughs) yeah Yeah. hopefully fingers crossed (laughs) Chandler what are you
0: playing watching oh geez okay so I'm gonna go watching first because playing is gonna tie into some news from this week uh watching uh let's see this week we watched uh we went and saw sorry to bother you which is this indie film that is it's so hard to talk about without like it's it's a weird movie. So it starts off as kind of um, just about like kind of telemarketing and the lower class versus higher class kind of thing. And you think it's going to be kind of this almost preachy indie movie that's, that's trying to get across a very distinct theme. And you know, like, oh, this is, you know, it's really good, but it it feels like it's it's going expected places. And then it goes in completely unexpected directions and such a good movie it's kind of uh it's kind of like get out if you guys saw that one yeah oh man get out Um right. where yeah it it starts off as one thing and then it just kind of spirals into more what the hell what the fuck what the yeah you know and just this this yeah. spiral of of what is going on uh sorry to bother you kind of does the same thing uh, in its in its own way it's definitely not like a get out clone or anything uh, but it it had similar thematic elements in terms of how it it goes from one theme and then kind of goes in a very surreal and different direction but highly worth seeing uh, you know especially over a lot of the other kind of triple a big action i guess triple a is only for games right but uh, (laughs) i
1: call everything triple a yeah
0: you know over the big kind of action summer blockbuster schlock that's that that can be out there it's uh definitely a refreshing very different thing uh and then speaking of big action killy movies uh when saw equalizer 2 uh, which was surprisingly a lot better and less action-y, y kill-y, kill <laughs> than I thought it would be.
1: I feel like a lot of these films must just come out in the US rather than the UK. Because I remember last week, you brought up a bunch of films that definitely had not come out here. And I have not heard of Equalizer 2.
0: It is uh, Denzel Washington. And uh, the preview basically shows that a friend of his gets killed and then he's kind of on like a revenge quest like you know I'm, I'm you all had a hand in killing my friend I'm gonna kill each and every one of you and the only mm-hmm. downside is that I only get to do it once and so I'm thinking, I'm going into this thinking like all right I to go see Denzel Washington like being a stoic badass and killing a bunch of people and it, it actually has a lot more heart and uh, balances out or equalizes, as it were, the uh, <laughs> the violence <laughs> and kind of the killing with uh, him trying to do good in the world and make the world a better place and, and help people and stuff. So it's surprisingly good. I haven't seen the first movie, so there are tie-ins to the first movie. If you plan on going to see this one, it might help to watch the first one, but,
2: you know. I didn't, I didn't know there was a first one until the second one came out. Like, was that was it popular when it came out? I don't
0: I have no idea. And I feel like it was probably a decade or more ago because a lot of the references in the movie, they're talking about like, oh, it's been so many years. And I think it's one of those movies that they made one of. Nobody expected a second one to come. And then all of a sudden Denzel's like, I'm in a second one,
2: (laughs) (laughs) which is fine because it's Denzel. So. They 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 push this one pretty heavy too. Uh, I've seen I've seen it everywhere. They marketed it
0: yeah pretty heavily, yeah.
2: which was surprising because I was like, I don't did they make a first one? Is this is this a twist one where it's like it's the equalizer two, but there wasn't an equalizer one?
0: Well, and <laughs> and the logo for it, the way the two kind of comes down, it almost looks just like. Kind of a, an element of the title, so it could just be called the Equalizer. So the first time I saw the trailer, I was like, "Ooh, the Equalizer! This looks like a really cool movie." And then it pops up with like the the credits and the ads, and uh, you know, shows you the website or something, and the website's like theequalizer2.com or whatever. And I was like, "Oh, okay, that's not what I was expecting." But um, yeah, it was it was really pretty good, uh, worth checking out. Uh, especially if if you have like Movie Pass or something, uh, it's worth the time to go see it. Uh, and then playing, uh, of course, Destiny Two is is that big thing, uh, size and yeah. Um, but this week was particularly special because Friday uh this last Friday, whenever you're listening to it, it, might have been multiple Fridays ago, or if you're listening to it in like four years, four years ago in Destiny Two day. Uh <laughs> Chandler's still playing it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still playing Destiny Two, yes. Um so they did this this secret quest somebody found uh on, on Twitter was just like hey I found this this weird boss character on on IO, one of the planets and uh I wonder if this has anything to do with it And it spawned this rift and I can go in here And then it gives me a 20 minute timer and it's this crazy thing So the community all came together There's this massive community effort To solve this, this secret mission the secret quest uh, It took a little bit of time It's a really tough quest And uh, it eventually rewards uh, uh, Quite a few things uh, But it rewards This exotic sniper rifle that's, that's easily one of the most powerful guns In the game right now Um, and then there are some other secrets in it where it connects back to like destiny one's first vault of glass raid. Uh, there was, um, there was always like a, a, uh, what do you call it? Conspiracy theory about a seventh secret chest in the vault of glass. Because there were six chests that people could find and people were convinced there was a seventh secret chest hiding somewhere in it and this gives a direct reference to that seventh chest and whether or not it is actually the seventh chest uh you know that's up for debate but um i just did a lot of really fun things with it and it it reminded me of why i fell in love with destiny in the first place and that kind of the the act of destiny being a game that not only is it a game that i'm playing but i'm checking the reddit but i'm i'm in my you know clan chat talking with all of them about these secrets that are coming up we're all discovering these secrets we get a group together we all go run it ourselves we have you know stupid glitches happen that prevent us from getting the you know one of our guys spawned back at the start of the mission near the end of the mission and and uh so he couldn't help us DPS the bosses and it sucked. And uh, it just all of these memories flooding back to what I really, really loved about Destiny, the original one, and the moments that that really, really made that game for me. This brought all that back. So uh, and I think a lot of the community is is in the same consensus with that. They're feeling that the same they're way. Actually agreeing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh you know they're they're like this is this is easily one of the best days in in destiny 2's history right now this will be a highlight day and i mean there are certain days for the destiny community uh, that destiny is remembered for you know the day that Zer sold the the gallarhorn for the first time and uh and then again because he sold it for the first time like second week of the game or something and then uh again about a year later um and and this will kind of just go down in history as as one of those days again or weekends when uh something was discovered the community came together and and forevermore it'll be oh do you remember when whisper of the worm launched in destiny 2 that was a crazy weekend yeah i was there yeah i got mine on launch weekend and um it, you know it's it's just really cool again i know i've talked about destiny before and and how i understand how and why people don't like the game. But for me, it's, it is not so much that the game is a game as much as it's just this broader experience that is, that I'm kind of subscribed into. Yeah. Uh, and then these moments happen like this. And so when people say something like, Oh, I'm, I'm just going to get the, the complete edition when it comes out with, with all the DLCs later on down the line, it's You're like, not
1: there for it when it happens.
0: Exactly. You're missing these kind of moments, these live moments, and and this is what I pay for. This is why I buy in day one, because I get to be here.
1: And I guess there's not a lot of experiences that are comparable to that on consoles. Not really, no. GTA Online maybe. That's kind of um something where, you know, you turn up and you people are excited for specific dates. Um, but I can't really, unless you're talking like of MMOs that have been brought to consoles. But like that's a that's a whole other issue, um, where obviously you know it's it's preferable to play those on PC.
0: Yeah, it's it's funny because the the way that Destiny blends the whole MMO slash single player aspects of it, you get these people who want just their single player games going into it and. Than not
1: getting that, and they get this yeah. whole MMO bleed over from it. Yeah, and I think on the flip side of it, like, uh, uh, like I'm not heavily into my MMOs, but like I've I've been into a couple of them for a, you know a, a long stretches of time. So Destiny Two was like too far on the other end for me. Whereas like I'm a much more like multiplayer focused in terms of my tastes. So it was not as much of a multiplayer experience as i wanted then i think for a lot of people it wasn't as much of a single player experience as they wanted then i think like there's people like you who it directly appeals to where it's like the perfect balance between both
0: yeah yeah for me so like uh world of warcraft i was always really hard on world of warcraft when i was younger And I would razz it and give it a hard time, give people who played it a hard time. And what I ended up realizing is the reason that I was, I mean, for lack of a better term, shitting all over World of Warcraft without ever having played it myself. Yeah. Was that I knew it was the type of game that if I were to play it, I would love it and I would get enamored by it and I would just be completely... Just, just taken away by it. It would, it would steal my life. I yeah. would be one of those people. And so, in order to justify myself not playing it and not getting into it and not spending the money on it, I made fun of it and I, I belittled it and I put it down. And
1: you just bully in World of Warcraft could you're terrified <laughs> of it. Literal I mean, school, and- it's literal schoolyard tactics <laughs> on, uh, on World of Warcraft. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean it, in some ways. Yeah, it's like if people would ask me about World of Warcraft, I'd just be like, "Oh, yeah, that game's stupid. I I hate that game. Like what's even the point? So dumb." It's and it's funny cuz I I flipped that around. And that, I mean, that's me ages ago. Like when did World of Warcraft launch first? We're like 15 years ago now or something?
1: Oh god. I'm
0: Are we that, that far out? I mean, I've I've grown a lot since then. I I'm not that same stupid childish individual, but it's yeah. I, I see a lot of the same thing within our our commenters where I almost wonder if the reason that they are so harsh on things that they don't haven't even obviously haven't even played themselves is because they they want to justify in their brains not liking it so that they don't have to get into it because they know if they do, they'll be sucked in.
1: Well, I feel like from your tastes, if like somebody was to give you a gaming PC and like a copy of Realm Reborn, you'd probably you'd probably just be gone. <laughs> you wouldn't be on this podcast with us anymore. I... You know, Where's Chandler this week? Is still playing Realm Reborn. I've I, like I thought that I could, you know, keep my distance. I very rarely get like addicted to games. I thought I could keep my distance. I've dabbled in a lot of MMOs, but then I've managed to, you know curbed them from affecting my actual day-to-day lives realm reborn just completely blindsided me for a good like two months It was like a period of time where you know i'd just work and then have realm reborn on in the background and then i think the time when i had to just cut off ties with it was i used to play alongside um one of my friends and he came back from work and he came back to me having purchased with real world money a 40 pound (laughs) horse and it was just like it it, it is you you've bought this with real money you've paid 40 pounds just on a horse and i was like i've lost sight of what what i'm doing (laughs) now this i clearly i'd clearly need to go cold turkey on this and that's how I stopped playing a Realm Reborn. He still tries to get me to play it every now and again. He was like, why don't you make another character? And, uh, you know, we'll go from the top again. And I'm like, I've, I've definitely got more responsibilities now than I had then. So maybe not go back into that pit of darkness. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that's, that's when I, I would like to play. And I started playing and then, yeah, I started, I, I got into it on, on PS4 and i just i can't i can't justify going any further because that one especially i mean more so than something like destiny requires such an investment and a commitment oh, yeah. to time and to grinding out things and to min maxing and to even understanding everything that's going on like uh, i i applaud people that are so into mmos like as as into Destiny as I am, uh, MMOs are infinitely more complex. Yeah, like a, a MMO proper.
1: I think people who are into like MMOs plural, that 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 just astonishes me. I think you can get into one MMO, but then you go on Reddit and you see people who are into like a selection of MMOs simultaneously. Um, I don't understand how. <laughs> like the the time investment for something like that for just one mmo it's like a whole ex, it's like a whole separate life so yeah, not, just not even juggling too. <laughs> yeah there was a time when i think when i was playing realm reborn um a south korean mmo called blade and blade and soul i think it is it came out here and i got really into that as well and i just thought i'm gonna have to drop something here so i just had to drop Blade and Soul just because I was playing Realm Reborn and there was absolutely no way both of those could be played at the same time. I thought you were just going to say I, I just decided to drop eating
0: because there was no way <laughs> yeah. I could do that. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So, I mean, but, but you know, back on, on Destiny 2 with, with this weekend, it, it was just really cool um, and, and cool to kind of see... Bungie returning to those those roots and the the reason that a lot of people who are longtime hardcore Destiny fans, you know, even some people in my clan who were starting to get a yeah. little skeptical of of Bungie. I mean, they've been excited with some of the Forsaken stuff that's coming, uh, around and, and things like that. But this was the first time that they really did something that cemented in. All right, they know what they're doing. Again, they know their audience. They know what we love about this game they're bringing it back
1: yeah and uh you know what else is really cool chandler i'm gonna segue you can't stop me <laughs> <laughs> i uh, don't want to stop you go for it <laughs> god of war 2 could still could be happening it could be being developed as we speak well they're almost definitely hiring for god of water uh so sony santa monica posted a job listing and thereafter a experienced senior character concept artist who is going to be responsible for creating and designing gods so unless sony santa monica is working on another gods focused <clears throat> ip then i should certainly imagine this is going to be god of water um which oh god just just bring it to me now just give <laughs> me just give me that i am Absolute. i would just want to play that game i know it's not going to come out for a long time i should imagine we're looking at ps5 maybe when that'll when that'll be out or at very least tail end of ps4's lifespan but um i mean if they're if they're looking at concept artists right
0: now uh yeah i mean yeah, it, it's still in conceptual phase i mean the the on the other hand development time for this one is technically going to be shorter since they have yeah, a lot of the it? base set up with the first god of war.
1: Yeah. I just um I th- the thing that I liked a lot about the first game was that um it was obviously set in this really expansive world and mythos uh but it still felt very contained. Um it didn't feel like overwhelmingly Large, like the open world, didn't. It's still focused on quite a small selection of characters. Like the main, um, the main gods that you would think from, like uh, from from uh, Norse mythology, like uh, Odin and Thor, they weren't really present in the game. That was more just used as lore and uh, like things that you'd find out from investigating the world a little bit more. It was very much focused on the, you know, that little um, family spat that you was that you was dealing with in the game. Um, but yeah, uh, like, so God of War two just has so much it can go into, and really all of the most interesting aspects, or at least the most popular aspects of of uh, Norse mythology, that still can left to be discovered. They really haven't like. There's still a lot of cards they've got left in their hand um, for this one. Uh, And God of War, I think, well, yeah, without a shadow of a doubt, God of War's my favourite PS4 exclusive that's been released. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what uh, what they're going to do with it. I bought, just went through Amazon and just bought a bunch of Norse mythology books while playing God of War. I got that into it. So... I can only imagine God of War to introducing, well, not introducing, but bringing in Thor, etc., and Loki and whatnot is going to be a lot more exciting uh, in terms of, you know, touching on these popular characters.
0: Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, the the first one set up the future of their own games. You know that this this particular Norse. Yeah. mythology really well while also you're right remaining very intimate, remaining uh, feeling very uh, very close to home uh, and that's that's something very unique that this game did over a lot of other games. Um, you look at at the way it was open world but that every area that you could possibly go to, meant something yeah and and you can't say that about about other open world games where you have this open world city and you know you have entire corners and alleys and buildings and and sections of the city that don't actually mean anything and it's more there just to feel open and it feels a little bit dead because of
1: that it was almost completely absent of the kind of emptiness that i think has been slowly ruining open world games. Just this, the open world games in general, I feel like have this constant like, battle with wanting to put on the box of the game that it's the biggest open world in however many years and having that be a really big selling point. And God of War, I think I have spoke about it on this podcast before, I pretty much play God of War as a completely linear experience, I, um, I've i since gone back and, you know, tackled a few of the open world stuff. But in terms of going from point A to point B, more or less without any distractions and stepping on any separate challenges, I just went straight down the middle. Jason was reviewing it, so Jason had to do all the other stuff. But, uh, but I just took it easy and went straight through the middle, and I loved it um so and what i I really appreciated was it didn't lock it didn't prevent me from being able to do that by giving me arbitrary levels that i had to hit before i could tackle the tougher enemies in the game this is the thing that i really really dislike about um open world game open world rpgs is that um you'll You'll be really invested in a particular like a story or a subplot and the game will be like, No, you can't do that just yet because um you've gotta reach this arbitrary level uh before you can uh before you can tackle these harder enemies or whatever. God of war, you can just march straight through that. And yeah, it's it, it is tougher just going from, you know, not uh leveling up Kratos to the point where um you would have if you was tackling the side quest and whatnot but um but its it, it, i it, I loved it I, I loved the fact that you could just treat it as this linear experience rather than having to go and you know fetch this chicken and bring it over to this farmer or whatever you have to do in most open world games so like you said it just it really felt like you visited a new area it was always really exciting and it, it, it Absolutely didn't outstay its welcome. After I'd finished God of War, I definitely could have carried on playing it for longer, which really doesn't happen with me in video games these days. Video <sighs> games now it seems like you start one up, and you, that when you'll stop playing it is when you'll get bored of it. Um God of War, I was, I was like from beginning to end, I was I was all in on that game well the
0: the other nice thing uh too is on on the flip side, if you do decide to go with the side missions along the way uh rather than playing it as a as a linear narrative experience, those side quests never feel like oh, I'm stopping my main quest line now to go over here and do these side quest things like most open world games have these two very distinct. Um, sides to them where it's like okay here's the open world side quests that have nothing to do with what i'm doing everything tied together so well in god of war so no matter how you played it it all felt like just this completely unified experience and and you could play it any way you wanted to you want to go through uh you know main story type stuff straight through beginning to end no problem you got it and, and yeah. it feels like a complete experience. You want to do the the side quest stuff, you can do that. And it also feels like that side quest stuff belongs in the game. They wrote it in well enough and, and worked it in, uh, in gameplay-wise in a way that just made sense uh, the way that a lot of other games don't.
1: Yeah. The one thing I will say that I hope that they really improve on in the sequel... Is just the scale of the enemies. Um, I think that was a real letdown uh, to the point where I feel like it was actually really detrimental to the game. Um, like so, obviously that I can't remember what its name is, but the giant snake. <laughs> I can't. I can't remember what that the, is. The world Jerman. snake. Gonder. Yeah, that, yeah, that. that that big lad. Um, so when he comes into it, like that's really breathtaking and the fact that you know it's always there uh in the background um it's just lingering in the skybox it's amazing um the, with the general enemies you'll fight a troll and then a fire troll and then a different troll and it's just it, it, for me i find that so disappointing that the enemies didn't get any larger more like you know more epic in scale than than those um and it felt like a really big missed opportunity um and that 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 world snake in general felt like a missed opportunity really um i know you go into its belly or whatever but you know it felt like more could have that was like the grandest thing that was there and it kind of just served like a plot point and didn't really get involved that much um I'd just really like it if, you know, it'd go back to the ridiculous battles of the old God of War games and I understand that it's a completely different style of game in terms of its approach and it's much more subtle, like, as subtle as a God of War game can be than uh, than much more thoughtful and considered than the old God of War games. But just the fact of, you know, you just kind of fighting these just standard enemies really throughout the entirety of the game Um, was a bit of a letdown because the combat was so good um, and the the combat was amazing and it would have just been really nice to have been able to mix it up a bit more rather than, you know, you fight this big ogre and then, you know, it's the same death animation for each one and you're going through it. And then when they come, like for a game that felt like it had such little padding, Whenever they showed up, it, it was really, really like apparent that it, like it, what it was padding. So it just really stood out, like a, a sore thumb to me. So for a, for a sequel, I would love it if they, you know, which I'm assuming that they will because it seems like this has been a complaint that's been aired uh, in a lot of the reviews and criticisms of it.
0: Yeah, but those those ogres were easily the the worst kind of. Uh when it was yet another ogre, it was always just like, Oh, come on. Really? It's just a reskin. You're just yeah. glowing green this time instead of blue.
1: And it feels like they like it feels like the game peaked really early with the boss battles and combat in general. Like the combat was never bad, like throughout the whole thing, the combat is great, but it feels like a lot of their best ideas was kind of shoved into the beginning of the game. So you obviously have that like Superhero fight with um oh god what's his name uh look, skinny god what was his name Alder yeah that's him yeah so you so you have the uh, the the superhero fight like uh, the Marvel versus DC of uh of God of War fights and then you've got that fight with the dragon which is okay but it's you know it's it's still grander than anything else in the rest of the game so it's much more like memorable. And then it's just kind of like oh you're fighting this you know more elite version of of these minions or oh, now it's a different ogre um so yeah it, it just felt like uh, like a lot of it was stuffed into the um, first part of the game in terms of the combat but i didn't I didn't ever get bored of the combat it's just you know you you're always expecting something a bit more uh, a bit more a bit more breathtaking I think in a game like that. Um, especially compared to the old God of War games.
0: Well, and if we're going to compare to old God of War games, um, I have to think that this is more along the lines of God of War One. You know, and and that it will get more and more grand because the original God of War actually didn't have that many
1: large scale boss battles. I did it not? I never played the first one.
0: So when you're considering, you know, if if they went like large scale in this game, what does that leave for the rest of, of Norse mythology? You know, when he starts uh, fighting smaller. So if you want them to up the ante with the God fights, uh, in, in each game going forward, uh, starting off kind of with the, the smaller things and, and giving you those moments of, of wow, you know, fighting the dragon, fighting the, the superhero fight with, with Balder, um, meeting the, the world snake, uh, or the world serpent, I keep calling him world snake, um, <laughs> world snake. serpent snake, whatever. Right. <laughs> uh, he'll probably eat me for getting his name wrong. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, you know, it's, it's just those little exciting moments and those teases of, of here's what's possible, you know, kind of the, it's not really a fight, but the, the moment with the giant and the, the chisel, um, was kind of a big set piece that was that was really cool i can't remember that what was that uh the the giant and the chisel and the ice oh yeah. yeah 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 so you know i i think going forward uh they'll they'll definitely up the ante uh i i don't think cory barlog is one to to rest on his laurels and and be like yeah i made a good game okay it's great like he's he's gonna want to Take it up a notch or two or four uh, for the next. Mm. Um, But taking taking games up a notch, uh, it's always nice when a classic comes back, taken up a notch for for current generation and uh, word has it. Well, word has it. They're hiring for it. So it's word directly from them. Uh, Bluepoint is hiring for a classic remake of a game that is going to launch on PS4 and PS5.
1: Yeah. or next-gen, whatever. Yeah. I, th- I think uh, Bluepoint had already stated that they was. The Bluepoint, obviously, the developers who made um, the Shadow of the Colossus uh, remake, um, they'd already stated that they was working on a new remake, um, but I think this is the first time that it's been acknowledged that they are also bringing that to the um, PS5. Uh a lot of people, some well, some people have suggested that it could be um, Demon Souls um, or a Metal Gear Solid remake, but I don't think that either of these has substance. I think it's more a case of people uh, discussing the games that they'd want to see. Um, I think, like, uh, I'm not sure whether, I guess, I'm not sure whether a Demon's Souls game would be I guess they could technically I mean uh, you know from software, if they gave Sony the license to do it I should imagine it would be absolutely fine obviously Konami have um, Konami has the uh, Metal Gear Solid license still so that could happen I no. not know what, what games would you would you pair want to see uh, remade from, uh, um, from Bluepoint
2: I'm assuming it's going to be a, a Sony interactive entertainment game I, I don't know
1: yeah, uh, well,
2: that's who they work with before. I should yeah, imagine it's so going to be an exclusive. just to uh <laughs> narrow it down a little bit. Um, let's see. Um, I'm trying to think of just Sony Inter- Active Entertainment games. Um, Crash Bandicoot's like already been made, games. they already remade Crash Bandicoot. Before- uh, so that, that, that series is out.
1: Um, uh, I think uh about Jack and Daxter. Yeah I, I like would Jack love Daxter. Daxter.
0: if but, they can give Jack and Daxter like uh, a full on remake treatment, I'm I'm all in.
1: Let's let's do yeah. it. Yeah. PlayStation All Stars Battle Royale
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'd say uh for me probably Colony
1: Wars. Um, oh god, that's that's. I mean, that's like that isn't happening. No, that's a deep I don't cut. even know who owns the rights
2: <laughs> to that that series anymore. It was Cygnosis yeah, it was and then you know, I think they got split into two or three. You know, rights wise, um, they were SCE Studio Liverpool for a minute, so
1: Sony might actually own the rights to Colony Wars. At this point. I'm actually looking online now at what they could potentially make uh, and I mean it, if it's just Sony Interactive games it's very much slim pickings though it has reminded me that G-Police existed so oh yeah that was a good one G-Police which again is absolutely not being made but no. uh, but yeah Medieval which again would never get made uh, you know Vib Ribbon yeah, maybe they should remake me- Vib Ribbon Medieval Medieval yeah, there's a remake of that already
0: happening. Is there? Yeah, yeah it was announced at PSX, like, uh, 2016, PSX 2016. Oh, this
1: ring's a bell now. God, who's, who's, who's going to buy? Who, who's making it?
0: I have no idea who's making it,
1: but oh. I'm all in on that. Give me some medieval... Hmm. <laughs> yeah that's that seems a bit of an optimistic remake that does unless it's like one of those straight to psn thing i can't imagine that getting like a crash bandicoot boxed release which that should just remake crash team racing which is the kart racing game that we're all waiting for here <laughs> you know oh, yeah. uh or jack x yeah <laughs> a, a good a good a uh
2: candidate for this might be resistance
1: oh mm, yeah I had to go and Google that from that one podcast where you and Cameron uh, Chandler decided to just rip it out of me for having not heard of or played <laughs> Resistance. Like the biggest injustice. Look, you haven't heard of inju- Resistance? <laughs> or, uh, I mean,
0: Resistance is such a big thing. It, it came up today in our... Uh, oh, PSLS has a Discord now. Surprise. Uh, so oh, yeah. it came up in our PSLS Discord today. Uh, community was chatting about... Uh, your favorite PS3 memories, and one of ours was, or, or somebody brought up uh,
1: the end of Resistance too. Um Resistance it, seems like a series that a lot of people who are very focused on like PlayStation know an awful lot about, but it doesn't seem to stretch beyond the confines of that.
2: I could so, see a relaunch of that that franchise. So
1: I'm
0: I'm betting. Uh, that it will be something from PS1 or PS2.
2: Siphon filter.
0: I'm I'm not seeing a, a PS3 release being up or or being called a classic remake at this point.
1: Yeah, that's stretching Yeah, would be classic, sure, though. Which is why we need to all go in on Vibribbon. I feel a lot of Vibribbon's going to be the one that takes it. That would be cool, but... Doesn't really need a remaster, does it? <laughs> um it's just a, a series of white lines uh
2: warhawk maybe i know they remade that for ps3 but no one really
1: cared i don't think no i think the issue with the like i wish i, I hope it sticks that stick to like ps2 or ps3 games because the issue with the playstation is that all of the games are like terrible when you revisit them no, nothing from that generation has held up well that's like early 3D graphics. Like 2D games and stuff on there, sure. But I, I like, I rebought a, like a PlayStation like last year or the year before thinking this is going to be amazing. I'm just going to repeat all these old games that I loved back then. And then slowly just having like my adolescence just tarnished through every game that i played on there with the exception of dino crisis which i actually preferred more now than i did back then but um yeah other than that
0: so if you consider crash bandicoot was original ps1 spyro's original ps1 uh resident evil 2 which they are doing a phenomenal remake of Mm -hmm. uh uh, PS One, uh, Resident, yeah, that was PS One. So, uh, when you're when you're really looking back at it, if if and and I trust Blue Point because Blue Point's work is uh, they've they've really never let me down with any of their remakes or remasters. Um, and if if they do even like the full Resident Evil Two remake treatment to a game from the PS One era, they could yeah. potentially take something that if you went back and played it now is terrible in its PS one iteration, but kind of pull out of it more of the intent, uh, from that period of time, kind of the same again with resident evil Two, what they're doing, where they're remaking the game with the intent yeah. as what it would have been with now technology.
1: But I mean, the resi Two remake is a lot more ambitious than anything. I think I can remember Blue Point doing, um, I have the, what what else, what are the remakes that they take on?
0: Well, Shadow of the Colossus was
2: their most recent one. Yeah,
1: yeah, and and I mean, it, that, was
0: it was spot phenomenal.
2: On. Uh, it didn't really offer a lot of new stuff, though. Which is kind of
1: no, it was just like the same, but like I guess with the nominal upgrades or something. I don't, I don't know.
0: Well, so so it was it wasn't a remaster. They did rebuild it from the ground up using die? everything from the original game. So they, they rebuilt it to spec basically from the ground up. So
1: they it still played the time though, didn't it? Uh, it played they played better. They altered the game a lot. Plays.
0: Yeah. Um, so they're the ones that did gravity rush remastered. They did uncharted Nathan Drake collection, which again was another fantastic remaster of the, the original oh, yeah. three uncharted. Um, they actually worked on Titanfall, so there's that. Uh, they did the PS4 version of Flower. They did the Vita version of All-Stars Battle Royale. <laughs> so there's there's yeah. that coming up again, right? <laughs> uh, the Metal Gear Solid HD collection, the God of War collection. I mean, so they, they, they've they got a, a history of taking classics and taking care of them. tidying uh,
1: them up a little bit.
0: And, and they've just been getting better and better at it going forward with each one going from remasters to full-on remakes. So I wouldn't put it past them to be able to pull something great out of something that's maybe, you know, little rose-tinted glasses, uh, not so great when you go back and
1: actually look at it. Maybe we're all just reading into it wrong and they're actually just working on a PS4 remake for the PS5 and they're actually just remaking God of War already. But when that eventually <laughs> receives its remaster on the PS5... <laughs> they're just working with Rockstar to remake
0: Grand Theft Auto 5 for the PS5 again
1: <laughs> Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> but I mean whatever it is uh, I've read off all those things like Bluepoint hasn't let me down yet so I'm extremely confident whatever they come out with will be fantastic
1: fingers crossed um, speaking of the next gen the uh there was an. Uh, I actually don't know this this story, but uh, there was an Xbox Next Gen rumor that turned out to be uh, nothing at all.
0: <laughs> yeah. So apparently, uh, Major Nelson, uh, Larry
1: Herb, Herb Herb. Yeah. It's it's uh, the it, it's it's a last name that every time I write about him, I have to Google him. <laughs> uh, anyway, Major Nelson. There we go. He
0: uh, yeah. he's a big Microsoft guy and. He said he was kind of hyping up Microsoft's lineup for Gamescom and said something to the effect on his blog of, oh, you know, at the live from Xbox stage, we're going to have, uh, you know, new, new hardware and accessories and blah, 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 and went on. And, and it was this little passive line, but everybody read into this new hardware thing. And they were like, "Oh my gosh, new hardware! Are they going to start new
1: headset or something?"
0: Teasing. Well, that that would fall under accessories, technically. Uh, so, you know, like, like, and then everybody's like, they said the same thing. Uh, you know, maybe it's it's new elite controller, and then they're like, okay, well, is a controller hardware or is it accessories? And so there were there were. Overly hopeful rumors from some people flying around that, that the next-gen Xbox would be announced at Gamescom. No. No. I'm sorry. Next-gen anything is not going to be announced at any of of the trade shows, period. It's not going to happen. Microsoft and Sony want to own the stage when they announce whatever's coming next from them. Yeah they're going to set up their own events just like they did for the Xbox One, just like they did for the PS4.
1: Imagine, like... <laughs> just because of like, how, like, how much like, the Xbox One has struggled in terms of mindshare, I guess. Uh, imagine if Microsoft did just announce the next Xbox at Gamescom. Like, I understand Gamescom's big, but it's in Europe. Who cares about Europe. Nobody cares about Europe. They're not going to announce Xbox in Europe. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, if they announce it in Europe, then the thing that they've got to lead with is obviously going to be its European price point, which is going to be horrendous because it always is. You know, you pay like three three hundred and ninety nine dollars, and then it's like you know six hundred pounds or something. So they're definitely not going to do that um i don't understand what people just run me stories all the time don't they i really really don't understand how that how anybody could could think that that this was a reality well and then he he
0: came out and corrected it shortly after anyway and said oh we meant new new bundles there's gonna be Uh, new like in terms of new hardware it's a new hardware bundle and it's like that's that's really obvious for most of the people looking at that news they're going to look at it and they're going to go new hardware oh yeah it's it's either going to be like yes like a controller or something or it's going to be a new hardware bundle or it's going to be like a a new slim with the with the uh skin on it or maybe an xbox one slim you know they've managed to slim that up or it no way is it going to be here's our
1: leap to the next generation yeah straight from cologne <laughs> yeah yeah some games come that like nobody well people will watch but i mean if you're missing if you're missing e3 with a console uh then you're absolutely holding it at your own event i can't even uh, e3 even e3 now they're not this e 3 even e 3 now they are not they are not doing it they definitely are holding their own their own events I mean, because te- I mean, it's a bad idea for a company to go ahead and uh, debut like a console at E3 because immediately you've got competition like the next day. Um, like, why <laughs> not just you just obviously doing it your own event where there's no competition? Unless Sony wants to unveil its console like two hours afterwards, then you're pretty much in the clear.
0: Yeah. So that was just a. a- funny thing. I wrote a whole piece on, uh, is next gen now? No, it's not. It's false. It's, <laughs> no, not, it's not real. It's, it's not coming until I believe at least 2021. Like I, I think, I think we're out a while. I I don't even think we'll get next gen in 2020. I think it's a 2021, uh, next gen console launch.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, on, GameRevolution.com. We've been doing a uh, hot takes, new hot takes Friday section, every single Friday, where uh, one of our staff um airs an opinion that probably isn't gonna rest well with the status quo. So one thing that uh, I discussed this week, which I thought was worth discussing here, um not because there was a <laughs> there was a dearth of news or anything, nothing like that whatsoever. <laughs> but uh, never happens. Nah, <laughs> But um, I believe, and I don't know what your opinions are on this, uh, that Fallout 76 is a more exciting prospect than a single-player Fallout 5. Now, hear me out. So, I'm I'm a a, a reasonably-reasonable-sized Fallout fan. Not not a big Fallout fan. Uh, But love Fallout 3. Thought quite a bit less of Fallout 4. And uh, all the pre-build to Fallout Seven Eight Six was about how it was a little bit disappointing that it was, um, you know, a, a multiplayer game, not a single player of experience. That Fallout fans were going to be left disappointed and stuff. I personally enjoyed it quite a bit. I thought that the um, that the reveal was uh, was was very good. Um, I'm much more into the idea of uh having rather than having a story focused fallout game um just being able to just create own stories with friends it sounds like an interesting take on um that entire survival genre uh where it's like you know there's it's not hundreds of people i remember i think uh bethesda said it's going to be dozens um zero npcs apparently so no, no non-player characters are going to be in there it's all going to be um player characters throughout its world um and yeah I, I think because i think the gap from fallout 3 to fallout 4 was seven years i think fallout 3 came out in 2008 fallout 4 2015 um i think if there was to release like a fallout 5 or something considering how little of a leap Fallout 4 was compared to Fallout 3, I don't think a Fallout 4 would be particularly interesting. Um, I feel like it, it would very likely be more of the same, which I know a lot of people are into, but like, I, I'm just not into... I don't think I'm just into playing another single-player Fallout game for a, for a long time. I think they've done what they can with... Where it's at now um yeah i I think just something that completely breaks away uh from that formula and you know gives you lets you squad up with friends and go and explore this this wasteland rather than just kind of milling around this empty world by yourself because fallout games have so much downtime in general uh I mean obviously the post apocalyptic wasteland isn't exactly. Uh, an ideal fit for a, you know a feature-packed open-world game, anyway. But um, there's just a lot of downtime in between walking from objective to objective, and you know, and going to from one place to the other. It's just kind of you'll stumble upon um, you know some enemies every now and again, but it's not overwhelmingly exciting. Um, so just being able to have that those gaps filled with friends. Um, even I think Todd Howard said about um, that he mostly enjoys playing it solo, so obviously can still be played like that. But there's also the addition of uh, other people who are going to be exploring the world and stuff. So I don't know. I feel like obviously I'm probably an outlier on this because um, a lot of people want Fallout Five, but I'm I'm very much for Fallout seventy six. I, 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 I like I was when back when they um. Uh, there was the rumor that it was going to be a Fallout MMO. I was firmly behind that. Um, and while I probably would have rather have had that, um, still Fallout like 76, I was pleasantly surprised by what by what we saw of it.
0: I uh, um, You're
2: not wrong. Go ahead, Jason. Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I'm kind of not excited about it because I just... Uh, I feel like... This is prime ground for microtransactions. Like I'm just like deep in my core can feel the premium currency and yeah. microtransactions coming. And I feel like it'll it'll start small like oh you can get a a Balt one eleven uh suit to wear. It's cosmetic. It's fine. And then, you know, eventually they've got this whole nuke uh gameplay feature they've got going on. Yeah, the system's troubling. Um, And, you know, how long is it going to be to, like, you know, pay pay 20 Bethesda dollars and you can get a clue on (laughs) where one of the nuclear codes is.
1: You know? Maybe. I feel like a lot of developers, though, especially since the AI thing, I feel like a lot of publishers and devs are, like, moving away from that kind of, you know malicious uh micro thing where it really dra- dramatically affects gameplay I think I, I'm not into, like maybe like in the future that like when there's less of a hubbub surrounding the game they'll they'll roll something like that out but I don't know I'm not I'm not very confident in in like publishers like pushing those into their games as 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 poorly as it seemed like they were going to um in in this in this post battlefront two world um so i I think microtransactions transactions will almost definitely be a part of the game and maybe even a big part um but I don't think I can't imagine it ruining the game now um now that we know what happened with EA and the whole fallout to that. I don't know. Uh, I said think, Fallout.
2: I think any game that's designed with microtransactions is like part of its core experience. Uh, I think it makes the whole thing suffer. I, I, I know that's not, not a unique opinion, but I think I hate the thought like I can buy a Fallout 111, you know, fault suit, but I can't earn it. Or, like, if so, I can't earn it, I have to grind for an inordinate amount of hours to, you know, earn yeah. premium currency. I just miss kind of like, I don't know, like a regular Fallout where you go out in the world and, you know, it's immersive and you can go find, you know, a Vault 111 suit instead of, yeah you know, it just kind of appearing in thin air because you paid some Bethesda bucks for it. So I'll agree Uh,
0: with you with you there that any game that is designed uh, centrally around microtransactions and and what can be purchased in the game is fundamentally a bad experience. But on the other side of that, I think there's a fine balance between a living world experience that is trying to just find ways to continue to pay its developers and, and keep that that living world going on and if they can find a way to balance it so that it doesn't feel microtransaction heavy um so it's not you know a mobile game that's constantly pushing them on you and that that you know you're not you're not constantly being sold on stuff that the game is is fun and entertaining to play and you can earn and get interesting things even if you don't pay those microtransactions uh i really do like the idea you know going back again to to Destiny and kind of those moments that you get, and and MMOs and, and playing those, uh, that's exciting to me. That that yeah. you get these moments that you might not get in in a single player game, and there might be like limited time things that that pop up, and you know it's only for a week or a weekend or a couple of weeks or whatever, and and. I think that's that's fundamentally more interesting and keeps me more interested in games as opposed to a single-player experience where like Fallout 4, I haven't gone back to it since I did my review because there's no interesting living world stuff that's giving me that incentive to come back because there's just this idea that I can come back to Fallout 4 anytime I want. And because I can come back anytime I want, I'm not going to come back at all. I don't yeah. know. Used but to. if there was a limited time thing that came up where it's like this weekend only in Fallout 4, there's a massive alien invasion happening and it's it's going to be crazy and cool. I'm going to be like, wow, that sounds really cool. I want to be a part of that. I'm going to hop in and and play some some Fallout 4 now. So on that side of things, I I think that's a really interesting aspect that they can potentially add to, uh, to 76.
2: Yeah, yeah. I just uh, you know you. Used to, they just have you subscribe to a game. Like, I'd rather pay $5 a month flat and have these events be, you know, organic and centered around the community instead of, like, you know, a factor in them being like, how do we hook for microtransactions? How do we keep hooking people back in, you know, and hoping they buy microtransactions? Because that's always going to be a factor if a game has microtransactions, uh, is okay we made this event but what hook can we use to to kind of seg players into microtransactions or buying premium currency sure. and it turns into a whole like uh, you know you have to pay a certain amount to look a certain way so people would think you're you know uh, good at the game or you, you're a long time player and I think that's what it always turns into it turns into like Uh, A dick waving contest On like Mm -hmm. Well look at my Cosmetic Look at my cape I paid more money I've spent more time in game Instead of being like Actually centered around Your accomplishments You know Like take WoW for instance It's like you earn Well they have a store But for the most part You earn You know The best items in that game And when you see somebody With those items It's like I, I can earn those And I can You know Uh You know, that's obtainable through action. It's like you can have pride in the items you get in a game like that. Or as opposed to like, I don't know, uh, Overwatch is a bad example because they're pretty, pretty good at uh, not going full throttle on their microtransactions. But it's like you can just buy those like there's not really a sense of earning so much and Overwatch. It's like except oh, for uh, the
0: the golden weapon skins. And and I oh, mean yeah. if they can if they can balance something like that where there there are definitely the rewards that are the earned rewards and then there are definitely the rewards that are the purchased rewards and and those are two different kind of tiers of, of things. I mean most of of the communities that make up these kind of games know that type of stuff anyway. You know, I'm I'm playing yeah. Destiny and I see somebody with the the Iron Lords emote and he pops it up. Uh, I know that he paid for that. He, he t- paid 10 bucks for that. He didn't earn it anywhere. He, he paid some money. And I'm like, eh, what, you know, whatever. It's, it's a cool emote. Cool. He has it. He paid 10 bucks, And then I come walking up with my Whisper of the Worm that I earned this weekend through very difficult work and, and through doing this tough mission and, and managing to get through that. And I have that. Um, and then if if I decide I can buy a an ornament to make it it look slightly different, and you know that's that's something I did because I wanted to support Bungie for as kind of a thank you for putting together this really awesome mission for free uh, that that came up, and it, so I, it's it's a fine balance. I I yep. understand where you're coming from and the trepidation and. I think more of my trepidation on on Fallout seventy six is that I just don't like survival games. I typically don't like games like Conan Exiles, like you know those those types of survival games.
1: Wow, well, you they know what? Said that it actually isn't a survival yeah. game. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was so, saying. Todd, Todd Howard has said that um, basically that internally they don't like to refer to it as a survival game. And he said, although it's an online game and I play it, I mostly still play it solo. We like those experiences as much as our fans do. So, um, yeah, he's just basically said that it's not, uh, you know, don't compare it to the likes of Daisy and Rust, um, which is what got me so interested in the game, really. When, you know, you hear the buzzword of a Fallout survival game, immediately you just think, well, that makes sense because... (laughs) fallout's incredibly empty (laughs) so they can just shove a whole bunch of people in there and then you know you can just go around killing people in an empty open world but that does not appeal to me so i think it's it seems like mechanically it's going to be a lot of survivors so i think they said something like you know you've got to keep um yeah you you, was there was something like you got to keep your food replenishing stuff like that was that a thing that's part of this I think you've like got, a
0: light. Sounds familiar. Resource. Yeah you've, to,
1: yeah, you've got to like have all, you've got to managing managing that kind of thing, which to be honest, I don't really like that about certain survival games or a few survival games like that. I think uh, Daisy is one of them where you've got to, you know, eat to keep alive and stuff like that. It's net like meter management, I don't find particularly fun, but I don't know whether like in the context of Fallout 76, it might actually be, um, a good idea, like, you know, balancing, like, your, nu- your nuclear radi- radiation and stuff, like, in the in Fallout 3 and Fallout 4. Um, but it remains to be seen how they employ that. But I think just having this game that is, you know, about survival, which obviously makes sense with the context of the Fallout universe. Um, but then also it has dedicated missions and, you know, objectives to complete with your friends. Um, so you've still got this open world environment where survival is obviously uh, you know high on the list of your priorities but then there's also this backdrop of a campaign where you've got actual objectives and things to do rather than just meandering around in in the wasteland which uh, in my in my opinion from previous Fallout games isn't all that exciting um But, yeah, I guess it just depends on what angle that they uh, go with it. I don't know. Hopefully they'll...
2: uh, Oh, go ahead. Hopefully they kind of just... I I really like the building in Fallout 4. Uh, I don't know. I know some people weren't a fan, but I loved making my own little settlements. So I'm hoping that this is in part an expansion on that concept. Like, you know, you have these food and water and rad meters to keep in check but uh you can like plan a farm you know so you have a a constant supply of food growing or you know you can set up a a water distillery so you can keep you know drinking water and i think that would maybe be the thing that pushes people to play together uh you know um i think there's a lot of opportunity for cooperative gameplay when it comes to running a little village um and i also read that uh you know, player characters have to be the shops in this game because there's no NPCs. So I think it's really interesting uh, to think about people setting up their own little settlements on the map, you know, and actually having an organic kind of trade deal going on. You know, maybe some areas you can produce resources that you can't in other areas. So you actually have to go out to other settlements and trade with them. You know, maybe some unique resource you have, uh, you know, to continue your tech tree or whatever.
0: That's fascinating to me that it will be a community created economy um, entirely. I mean, it's like it's it's almost like the vision of no man's sky just in a post apocalyptic wasteland. Yeah.
1: Speaking of. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of No Man's Sky, uh, big big old update, big old No Man's Sky update. Yeah. Is it tomorrow that it comes out? Well, I believe so. The twenty fourth, so yeah. it'll be, yeah. it'll already be out when people are listening to this. When the when people from the future, I mean, if the world is still functioning and we all haven't been actually thrown into a nuclear wasteland, then you know you will actually have played No Man's Sky uh, next update. And if the world is in a nuclear wasteland, you'll actually have played Fallout seventy six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) larking Fallout seventy (laughs) six. But uh, so yeah, thoughts. I personally, am really into the look of this.
2: Um, I really, really followed No Man's Sky like hardcore before release, and then played it, and you know, like most people played the game uh, I expected something pretty different um, when it launched it was just like this empty kind of boring uh, frustrating universe um, and I haven't really played it since then so mm-hmm. I know they've had they've released a lot of updates they've added like base building and freighters and you know uh, other things to make the the universe seem more alive than it did when it launched and it seems like this next update uh is going to bring the game more in line with what people imagined the game would be uh when it released you know it's got actual multiplayer uh you know there was a big controversy where uh the head dude at hello games kind of hinted like oh yeah you can meet people in universe but it'll be rare and you really couldn't uh, yeah, the whole thing was incredibly weird. Um but this but now you can with the next update you'll actually be able to team up yeah. with, you know, other players and build bases together or explore together. Um which is uh which is cool. I think it's going to add a whole whole lot of depth to the game. Yeah, it will. And uh, cuz nothing makes a you know, the the universe is still big and because of that it's still going to feel somewhat empty you just can't i don't think we have the computational power to actually you know create uh, a living dynamic universe uh on that scale but when you're playing with other players you know that's not as big of an issue because you're all traveling together you're all working together towards goals and uh i think that'll kind of gloss over some of the the complaints people had uh including myself with how Space just didn't feel spacey. I don't know. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, and and you have to hand it to Hello Games too that that they didn't give up. I mean, oh
1: no, it's crazy. They
0: leaned into this, and for the the last two years, I mean, the game's been out for two years. Yeah, uh, and and for the last two, two years, uh, they they have leaned into developing this game and making it what everything that they and everything that their players
1: want it to be uh which, which to i wonder at what point as well like you know it, it couldn't have been profitable for this entire time so i remember the actual player count declined significantly for ages between it between its first major update so like a lot of this has just got to have been like i should imagine if they would have moved on to a different project they could have you know uh probably maybe turn more of a profit I'm not I'm really not sure but this No Man's Sky next update seems like it's going to be really good for them yeah and it
2: comes out on Xbox One for uh first time ever oh, yeah. so yeah, Xbox players will actually get to experience the game you know the
1: first time they play it like yeah.
2: you know four players <laughs> <laughs> thought they yeah. would be
1: so the- my, my thoughts on lot like No Man's Sky are really conflicted because When I like, I reviewed it uh, when it came out, so a while back now. Um, and it's like obviously it's not what was expected of it, but there's just moments in that game, it can just be such a like unique and peaceful experience playing it. Um, to the point, just walking around in No Man's Sky, some of the worlds is like incredible. Some of the moments there. You kind of have to remind yourself that it was like just randomly generated. There was this one time, like you know, you fly down and then it's like you like watch the sunrise over like this really odd like red and green planet, and then like I didn't I didn't enjoy my my time with it like at first, but then you know you you think back to it and you think God, there's just moments there that you just don't really get in 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 games. Um, so this No Man's Sky next update, I think you know, being able to fill those gaps of nothingness between like the dull, its dollar planets, uh, just being able to fill them with being able to do stuff with friends is just gonna be like, I think it's really gonna, really gonna add to it. I wasn't really into the base building update that I did. That's not really crafting and stuff. Isn't really what I'm into. I'm just kind of into just exploring this big, often incredibly weird universe with friends um, if they actually reduce the bloody price of it in the UK because that shit costs £40 on Steam in the UK and I do not understand how that's about 65 our our currency it is about $50,
2: $50, $55 yeah $52.39 for a two year old game is kind of it's kind of steep
0: took that baby off the lot and it doesn't depreciate in value
2: I know (laughs) I I sense a sale in your future
1: hopefully I I, I feel like uh, the next I'd like to be around I really wanted to get it but like nobody's nobody I know is going to buy it on PS4 so I'm just and nobody's going to spend 40 pounds on buying it either so I'm just going to have to wait like like a plebeian (laughs)
0: Yeah, it'll, I, I'm I'm excited for it. I think I agree. It had those those moments of wonder where you know, yeah, it wasn't a perfect game, and it was a, a victim of of over expectation and uh, sh- realistically, Sean Murray's poor uh, uh, PR habits. Where, uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is why uh, studios have PR is so that their developers don't say things off the cuff that people end up taking as promises
1: <laughs> yeah it was you just know it was essentially just like an like an indie developer suddenly like transformed into this like major Rockstar. major first party developer <laughs> yeah the weird thing yeah. is they
2: they actually have a p they have pr i don't know why he doesn't just uh just let them do their job he just keeps it's, going to interviews. Like, why are you back paying the log, Fucking
1: hell, Sean! Stop. Boy <laughs> again?
0: So I feel like basically that's that's what was happening. Like every time something was promised, they're so like, "You you do realize you're not actually putting that in the game, right?" That's uh, yeah. well, I mean, we're gonna try because that that's okay. most of what it was. Was he was he was talking to his vision of the game and not to the reality of the game?
1: Yeah. Yeah, and it's I mean, like, just it's worded beautiful. each time like it was the reality. Yeah.
0: It's like, it's beautiful that this is what, what you want your game to be. Ultimately, it's not what your game will end up being, though. And and realistically, I mean, a lot of people had to know that.
1: Yeah. but I mean, it, like, it just got, it really, really just bowled out of control, didn't it? But then a lot of it, like, you look back, a lot of the interviews where like, he lied or whatever, or, and it just looks like one incredibly awkward man really struggling to deal with the level of expectation for his game like especially the stuff about being able to meet people in the world I think it was like a Eurogamer article where Eurogamer interview where it was just like it was like a yes or no question session. And the thing is, he, he like asked like quick-fire questions where like he either had to say yes, that will be in the game, or no. But you look back on that interview that he did now, and he would have literally just had to keep saying no in this interview, which <laughs> it's the weirdest way to hold a developer interview ever, because either he just comes in and just says, no, none of this shit's going to be in my game, be disappointed, or you have to embellish the truth and you could just tell that he was just absolutely stuck there. Yeah, yeah. It's just
0: awkward and, and sad, but I'm glad that they've, they've turned things around. Uh, but uh, one last quick bit of news here. Uh, one thing that uh, Hangar 13 is is not... We're going to a different developer. here. Hangar, Hangar 13 is not stuck in, is uh, developing Mafia games, because they're working on a new IP...
1: That's nice. Yay! That's nice news. <laughs> good news. Good for them. 3 was good for
2: a bit. Yeah, it's, that's, that's exactly I how I describe it. Good for a bit.
0: I have it. It's it's unwrapped somewhere in mm-hmm. my pile of games
1: that I haven't played. It's one of them. I was into it until I wasn't. This says in the um, they uh, one of the statements or whatever that they've released said that it could have a strong and socially aware narrative like mafia 3 which i really really that was the that was the most disappointing thing for me about mafia 3 was that it was really really exploring something that hasn't really been explored in a major release or whatever um and it just kind of it was at the at the beginning of the game for the first like two hours i guess it really, really hooked me in. Uh, but then just the rest of the game bogged it down so much. Oh, that's um, that. it's
0: that open world syndrome again. Uh, kind of comes back.
1: No, no, None of the Mafia games should have been open world. Mafia 2 was ruined by its open world. I mean, it was an objectively boring time period to walk around in. <laughs> it looked all right, but they didn't have a lot going on. Like, slow-ass cars... No phones. You're not exactly going to take a helicopter out and like, start shooting rockets at people, are you? you? could in the mafia games the best, the most interesting thing you could do was go and get a haircut. And then particularly in Mafia Three, you went wandering around this open world like mowing down pedestrians or whatever, but just as this like, guy who's facing like a load of, ra- of racial prejudice and is like a really strong hero, just a juxtaposition of like the reality of the story, but then what you could do in its open world was just weird. It just, it was so tacked on. Um, the only good thing about it's open world was cruising around in, um, one of its cars and listening to the music from that era. But other than that, ugh. I just played it like, uh,
2: like LA noir where I just pretend like there isn't a, the, the rest of the city. It's yeah. just only the road
1: to the, the next objective. And that's all there is. At least with Noir, you got the um, whole. Do you want to just skip this entire boring segment that we acknowledge is boring, but it's here anyway? Yeah,
2: that was a uh, a real far far thinking feature that needs to be replicated <laughs> yeah. in
1: many more games. So, yeah, I just I love that about Noir, where it was it was literally just like, look, we realise that this aspect of our game is pretty shit. Just skip it and go to the looking at people. Looking quite suspicious for no reason.
2: <laughs> God, that skip game that though bit.
1: suffered from Rockstar
2: syndrome, where they want to do character development while you drive. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. If, if I remember, it it did let you listen to the conversation and then would skip, didn't it?
1: I really can't remember. Um, but sometimes, like the from what I remember, like the whole conversation would just last like the duration of of the journey. The characterization in cars things needs needs to be brought to an end. They just need to All set like a, like a like a law reason for it not happening. Like, you know, Except the music in these cars is objectively too loud. You can't hear the person next to you. Just sit quietly and wait till you get to the next place before you do it. God of War's boat worked in that way, but for the best. Yeah. But like God of War's boat wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like crucial information and the fact is you was only you was only sailing around for a little bit wasn't you from point A to point B yeah, you are like,
2: usually going somewhere new too which
1: helped. yeah yeah when they start kicking up a fuss and start explaining who Thor is to you but with uh with with bloody L.A. Noire and Mafia no Mafia 3 didn't have it with L.A. Noire it was just a lot of being in a car and having somebody just explain key plot points when you just want to crash into a wall and die <laughs>
0: <laughs> then
1: we can and, wrap up there and <laughs> yeah.
0: and and there we are crash into a wall and die along with looping it back to one of the first stories uh that we we talked about which is god of war um, yeah it comes so there full we go that was, that was a good full circle full circle 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 crash into a wall die
1: mm-hmm mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> um,
0: but yeah, thank thank you guys for listening. Uh, make sure that you follow us on Twitter. I know I've forgotten to do this this stinger at the end, uh, like yep. every episode. But at PS Lifestyle
1: is PlayStation Lifestyles, and uh, at Game Underscore Revolution. And also follow us on Twitch. Search us on Twitch and follow us on there. We're 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 big Twitch boys now, aren't we? J- yeah. J- 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 Jason's a big Twitch <laughs> guy. You can search well. for
0: us on Twitch and follow us on there. Uh, but we're not ever on there so that'll be a fun
2: Falls subscribe first. you could host us just auto host us and it's like we're both doing it yeah
0: there nice. we go nice <laughs> yeah and then when i actually do decide to get on so people can
1: watch me playing destiny 2 <laughs> yeah we can all host you look at this it's it's a it's a wonderful beautiful friendship
0: yes that's what this is <laughs> that's <all> this is <laughs> wonderful, beautiful friendship. Thank you for listening. Please send in questions, or, or maybe don't, because these are long enough without your questions anyway. Yeah. <laughs> uh We apologize for for you having to listen to us, but hey, you could have chosen to stop at any point, and you got you got to hear.
1: Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's We're what matters. We're real proud of you. Bye. Bye. <laughs> See ya. Sure. sure.